episode. Welcome to episode 52 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And although we've named the Stanley Cup champion in the Las Vegas Golden Knights, we have certainly not lost the amount of topics to discuss forward into the offseason as one just looks at the Philadelphia Flyers, who seem to be in a new direction and plan to build around former players in executive positions. And I'm, for one, a big fan who would know the game better. But not only have they named former player and broadcaster Keith Jones as the new club's president, they've taken, of course, interim GM tag off of Daniel Briere's title, former player, and have brought in former players Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire as special advisors to hockey operations which has also been done in the Calgary organization. Now that former player Craig Conroy has been named new general manager, Jerome McGinley is returning to the organization in the capacity of special advisor to him. So clearly there is an interest to bring players back into the league, and that can only be a positive thing. That, that has to be a really, really good change for the NHL. As clearly the time has arrived for players, again, in management roles in the league, I'm really interested, though, to see how that turns out and the effects that it has on rules as well as player contracts and everything that's always been involved from a player side is the contract situation any different having a former player now negotiating contracts in some cases as management members of organizations or do all those things remain the same as they've always been or if you will status quo it will be really interesting to see that i mean there's obviously been other players such as ron francis general manager in the Seattle franchise. So how much change and to what degree of change will there be as more players of past years get into management roles? Moving on, tell me, has anybody else noticed there seems to be, speaking of contracts, a new amount of years and dollars to go with it in long-term contracts that are being signed. It seems like every long-term contract in recent time now is eight years, $63 million. Was there like some kind of meeting behind the scenes or something? I mean, is it all a coincidence? It's just interesting that there's been like three or four players now, they've signed eight-year, $63 million deals. It's just really interesting. Now, let's move on to a topic that's becoming borderline irrational, and that is the 2023 draft. I don't know if there are people just in dire need of a story. I don't know if there are people that just want to create a story out of fabrication and thin air. I don't know what's going on, but especially in Montreal. There's three or four teams, but Montreal leads the way by far with rumors that are just screaming out of the city of Montreal. It is just nuts. I mean, they include Montreal trying to move up to spots three or four and make trades respectively with Columbus and San Jose. They are talking about moving down. They're talking about trading all kinds of ridiculous amounts of young core roster talent as well as young prospect talent that the organization has spent years acquiring and now everybody just wants to give them away with ridiculous trades of Connor Hellebuck, Carter Hart, Alexei Lafreniere, Pierre-Luc moving up to pick the number two choice overall even from Anaheim with Adam Fantilli. Does anybody else realize what Montreal would have to give up in those cases? 
And as exciting as it might be, as exciting as it might be, and I repeated that for a reason, everybody's like, oh, Adam Vantilli. Well, whether you're drafting Adam Vantilli, Connor Bedard, or anybody else, they got to have a line mate to line up with, don't they? Seriously? I mean, don't these people need other players to play with? This is not golf. This is not a one-man, one-person sport. This is a 20-person collective team that needs talent. So if everybody wants to give away all the Uri Slavkoskis, Owen Becks, Cole Caulfields, Kirby Dodd, Nick Suzuki, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jack Guy, Jordan Harris, if everybody wants to give all these guys away, who is all of this must-have talent? Whether it's existing players that are being traded for and brought in, or draft players that we just gotta have, no matter what. Who are they gonna line up with? I mean, has common sense gone out the window here, or is it just me? Are people just losing their mind? Is this like a beginning of summer effect of I don't have an actual league to pay attention to, so I just have to make up wild, random stuff? Really? I mean, what is going on with people? And just because it's a likely pick at number five, should Montreal stay at number five? And at this point, there's so many rumors going around, I don't even think anybody knows for sure, but let's just hypothetically say Montreal stays the fifth position. There is a really interesting discussion regarding Matej Mishkov. Yeah, is he potentially the second most talented player in the draft? He is. Does he have unbelievable talent? Yes, he does. Has he even remotely begun to scratch the surface of a talent? No, he hasn't. Would I take him? No, I wouldn't. And it's not because of a skill issue. People are looking at this too much as the skill, the skill, the skill. The skill's great. Obviously, a very important part of why an organization would even have remote interest in somebody. That being said, there are way, way too many unknowns, just random issues to take him at number five. And I'll be honest with you, here's where I differ from a lot of people. If I'm wrong in a couple years and he does come to the NHL and he is just everything that all the people are saying that he's going to be, you know what? And I was wrong, but I still, even after, and I know a lot of people love playing armchair quarterback. Oh, no, now I take him. Yeah, no, 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 no. Even after and if all that happens, I would still say, nope, I wouldn't have taken him. The only argument that I will give relevance to or say that there is some, if you will, meat behind is the argument of most players you wait for two to three years anyways, so what's the big deal whether Mitch Goff is in Russia or some prospect is in the OHL, the WHL, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Big Ten, the NCAA, U.S. Development Under-18 program. That's got merit. I'll give that one. That's got truth to it, because not even number one picks overall should always make the NHL. And I'll be totally honest with you, I was a big fan of sending Yuri Slavkowski back to Europe last year. Yes, I think Martin St. Louis is an amazing coach. Yes, I think Slavkowski learned a ton of things from him. But I honestly believe, in very few instances, any player under 20 should ever step on NHL ice in a regular season. There's been exceptions. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, there's been exceptions. Over 98% of the time, it doesn't work out, and it remains to be seen if it does with Counter Bedard. I hope it does. I hope he goes on to have a phenomenal 
phenomenal, not only rookie season, but great career. But it rarely works out. I'll tell you what I would love to see happen with Mitchkoff. I'm wondering if anybody remembers a recent draft in 2016 where everybody thought the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to draft Jesse Pogliarvi in the draft in 2016, and they ended up taking Pierre-Luc Dubois. I wonder if Columbus has that mentality going into this draft and nobody's looking at him. I hope they do. I hope Columbus does take Mitchkoff. And if Columbus doesn't take Mitchkoff, I hope San Jose takes Mitchkoff. I really do. Not only would it resolve the whole problem, but those two teams in their rebuilds are in a different place than Montreal is in its rebuild. One other valid point that's been brought up, and I have never been a big proponent of this, is everybody's like, oh, you know, smaller players just can't survive. You can't have too many smaller players. I disagree with that. However, there is a balance. And Montreal right now, with the addition of Cole Caulfield, with the coming addition of Lane Hudson, yes, they're both very skilled players. But you do have to have some size mixed in there with them to protect them, if nothing else. And I don't mean old-style Stu Grimson, Lyle Odlin. I'm not talking about protectors. Dave Semenko, who played on Wayne Gretzky's line. I am talking about players, though, that can use and play with their line mates effectively to be able to put them in different spots where they don't get crushed against the boards or just wiped out in center ice. Because obviously, at that point, that does nobody any good. Montreal is bordering on that, though, with the players they already have coming based on size. So they do need to address that. Kent Hughes, I think, said it best. Do I love Cole Caulfield? Yes, I do. Is he a great player? Yes, he is. Would I want a roster of 20 of them? No, I would not. I think he spoke volumes with that. And not only spoke volumes, but from a perspective of common sense, which is rarely spoken. Now, if that happens and San Jose or Columbus takes Mitchkov, perfect. Montreal takes center Will Smith. And that is Montreal's best way to go in the draft. However, even if San Jose or Columbus doesn't take Mitchkov and Will Smith is gone, Ryan Leonard is the pick. I would take by far. I've also heard rumors about David Reinbeck. I'm sure he's a good defenseman. Montreal does not need to take a defenseman right now. And I know there's a lot of people saying, oh my God, they have so little talent on the right side. How many guys do you need? I mean, they've got Justin Baron. they got Jonathan Kovacevic. they got Logan Mailu coming. They've got Torganev. they got Nurmi. They're fine on the right side. Now, could they use some more depth? Yeah, in a later round, I'd take a right-handed defenseman. Sure. The one rumor out of all the Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alexis Lexi Lafreniere and all of other things that I will give a moment of thought to is the deal potentially with the Columbus Blue Jackets for Adam Bolquist. Now, if Montreal could send him a Jacob Olsen, Ty Smolanik, or a one-for-one for Matthias Norlander, sure, like I talked about in the last episode, but that's it. But he would still be behind Logan Mailu, who I think is going to be Montreal's number one right-hand defenseman of the future. Justin Baran. Don't forget about Jonathan Kovacevic. Kovacevic has proven to be more than a helpful, useful roster player and way more than a waiver wire pickup like he was. So how much do you need him? But if you had to have him, he's the number three right-handed D, which would add good offensive depth to the defense. Is that something Montreal wants to inquire? I don't know. Maybe it is. But at least that deal has some relevance of purpose. Also in the fact that it wouldn't cost Montreal somewhere insanely between six to nine million dollars a year annually for a contract for a player who's yet to prove in that value of themselves as in case of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alexis Lafreniere, okay? But apparently there's people that think that every year Montreal now needs to make this year's version of the Kirby Doc trade, which has also got some really weird 
weird scenarios to it and the fact that now people want to give Doc away for either the acquisition of Pierre-Luc Dubois or some other player. I thought everybody was on board with Kirby Doc now. I thought everybody after initially going, oh, I don't know if this trade's going to be a smart one or any good. Last year certainly proved that he's got a lot of untapped talent just coming into his own. He's going to flourish under Martin St. Louis and now everybody's like, oh, well, if we can trade him for, there really isn't anybody I'd trade him for. Unless he's part of a Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl trade, keep it. I mean, seriously, I, I don't get the insanity of just trade, 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 trade. Is it because it's just fun to trade? Is it because people want to see Montreal remain a mediocrity franchise permanently? I mean, what is the goal here? In addition to the Nick Suzuki's, Cole Caulfield's, Kirby Doc, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jack Guy, Jordan Harris, and all the other young talent that Montreal has on its roster, it has talent coming in Logan Mylou, Lane Hudson, Ian Mysack, Owen Beck, Yurash Slavkowski, Philip Massar. It just keeps rolling in. Sean Farrell is another one. And yet Montreal fans apparently want to deplete the organization of all this incoming talent, gain a player who they feel is like this game-changing talent here and there. That just makes no sense. And the same concept is with the goaltending situation. Why does anybody think Montreal needs to acquire a $4 million plus player for goal? Unless Montreal has a Cinderella season like the Florida Panthers just had where they just squeak in, even in such a way where it was not even remotely expected that the Chicago Blackhawks could, as they say, hang with the Pittsburgh Penguins, let alone beat them 5-2 to two on the last game of the season, which let the Florida Panthers into the playoffs. It's argumentative whether Montreal is even at that position. So what is with acquiring all this expensive talent, along with mortgaging the future of everything that you've already got? And by the way, we haven't even talked about Jaden Strubles, William Trudeau, Adam Engstrom. Like I said, the talent level just keeps going and going. So in the draft, you have the opportunity with that Florida pick that everybody also wants to give away to grab a Michael Rabel, grab a Adam Genshin. You've got a lot of goaltending talent that grow with the team that you can acquire in this draft. Now, if somebody wants to make a wild trade in the draft, here's the one that I would actually roll with or go with, okay? So let's, and this is going to take some hypothetical too. So let's just say San Jose or Columbus drafts Mishkoff. So he's gone. Montreal doesn't have to deal with that anymore. Montreal then selects Will Smith at five, and there's a timeout for a trade announcement made because Montreal has sent Josh Anderson and let's say Caden Primo. It's a random example. And maybe even thrown in the rights of Jonathan Drouin give the Flyers exclusivity to sign him between the draft and the day free agency starts. Okay? Because really with Josh Anderson at the head of that trade, shouldn't take much more to acquire the seventh pick overall in the draft. Montreal does that with those players. Montreal then flips that draft pick, seventh overall, the Arizona Coyotes for the sixth overall pick and throws in either prospect Jesse Yuanen or Oliver Kepin. Okay? Montreal makes that trade. So now Montreal, after drafting Will Smith at number five has the number sixth overall pick and takes Ryan Leonard back to back. Do you want to make that trade? Okay, I'm in. Because now you got two-thirds of one of the most explosive lines in the U.S. development program. And quite honestly, if you really want to top it off, if Gabe Weber is still available after the 10th pick, then somewhere between 11th and 15th, you make another trade. Still, not mortgaging away any of your big names. Throw a couple veterans together in those teams, those teams are usually just on the outside looking in, picking in that position. They're not too far away from actually being in the playoffs. So take a Christian Dvorak, couple that with a Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Jake Evans, Jake Allen. Acquire that pick and be done with it. And then draft 
Gabe Weber, now you have the entire lineup that's playing in Boston College next year. That would be an amazing draft. And you still have the 31st pick be able to pull off the Mike Rabel trade, unless he goes earlier in the 20s. So that would be an amazing draft, okay? If somebody wants to do that, that's fine. But all of this mortgaging away the team to move up in the top five, whether it be to spot number two to grab Adam Fantilli or three or four because you're trying to get out of the Mitchkoff situation is just nuts. And honestly, it would catastrophically affect the organization for a long, long time to come. And like I said earlier, unless somebody's looking for Montreal or wishing that Montreal remains in a deep state of mediocrity and basically a doormat franchise, I don't know why anybody would want to pull those kind of trades. That would just be nuts. I do believe that the 2023 draft is going to be one of the most exciting in at least the last probably 18 years, at the very least, if not even longer. And fortunately, they have Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, and others where sanity and common sense will maintain things. Fortunately, there's not somebody in charge of or easily influenced by things like these kinds of rumors because the organization would just have absolutely no future to it if there was. So thank God those guys are in the position of general manager, VP of hockey operations, because at least there's some sanity top. I'm looking forward to the draft. I hope you are. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 52 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Continue to have a great offseason. We'll be back soon.